I do not display the traditional diagnostic criteria of ADHD. See them below in the appendix if you're interested. Also, I don't have anecdotal signs from childhood. These include, randomly standing up during class to go talk to other kids, angry slash sad outbursts, resistance to changing tasks, etc. But on the inside, there is a lot going on. While I do not qualify for ADHD, I share some thought patterns, and have benefited greatly from productivity tips in the sphere. I would like to talk about this, and how I manage them to make my life easier. Traits 1. Being distracted by cool, new ideas. 2. Dislike for retrieving information across apps. 3. Struggle to keep documents organized. 4. Wanting to figure out a clever hack for everything, being discouraged when there isn't one. 5. Dislike for long lists of concrete facts. Wanting to boil everything down into elegant principles. 6. Impatience for following protocol and wanting to skip steps. 7. Spending too much time on things that don't matter. How I manage them for work and life. Being distracted by cool, new ideas. It's pretty simple. I simply write it down in a someday list and go back to my original task. To decrease the friction, I put all of my work-related notes into a single page in OneNote. I paste screenshots and entire emails into it to reduce time switching between apps. This is why I do not use Notion for example, because the structure is too rigid and I can't randomly keep adding things off to the side. This also works for the next problem. Dislike for retrieving information across apps. I used to hate Outlook. And to conquer this, I went out of my way to take an online course on Outlook, to become more familiar with the software, and now that I understand the search function better, I don't hate it as much. I've come to appreciate how stably it works. So one thing you can do when you hate something is to lean into it harder and learn about it. Once you understand something, it's hard to hate it. Hatred most of the time comes from ignorance. Another one is accumulating all my notes in one place. I keep all my work notes in one note. I might use a notepad to copy and paste items, but I don't expect them to be there the next day. I might scribble things down on a paper pad, but I treat it like scrap paper. All my real notes are in one note, in a searchable form, with time stamps. In OneNote, I will include the Dropbox link to Nexusery documents so I can start working right away. Cutting down on friction has made work less stressful for me. Struggle to keep documents organized. This one is about building a good structure for yourself, testing it in real life for a week or two, then constantly tweaking the parts that don't work. The key question is does this actually work in real life? I wanted to get into a popular task management system like Get Things Done by David Allen, but I actually tried it in real life for a week and it didn't work. If something doesn't work in real life, it's useless for you. Now, I use a weird combination between a bullet journal and a weekly task list, paired with an Excel sheet with a list of people I must follow up by a certain date. It may seem anal and maybe it is, but it's like a comfy little cave I carved out for myself. I know where everything goes, and I can relax knowing that everything is being managed. A rational file structure like this is a good place to start. Note how boring this may feel. Also note that this boringness is what makes the structure actually useful in everyday situations. You have the bigger groupings at the top, and the groups become smaller and more detailed as you go down. It's a decision tree, sort of. And for the naming conventions, 
I use something with the date in the beginning so I can reorder the documents by date, then an easily searchable name. So if I were writing ad copy for a company on September 30, 2021, the file name will look like this. 20,210,930 Acne Facebook Ad Copy V1 This way I can reorder the documents in the folder by date, I can search for the company name Acme, I know that it's ad copy for the Facebook platform, and I know it's version 1 from the V1 part. Also if I download any stock photos, or have any additional resources to use along with it, I will stick them into the same folder. So now I may have a folder that's named like this. 202,109 Acme Facebook ad. And the documents inside will look like this. 20,210,930 Acme Facebook ad copy v1. 20,210,930 Acme Facebook ad creative v1. 20,210,930 Acme Facebook client meeting notes. Let's say in six months from now, I got a call from Acme asking for the copy I used in their ad. Now I can pull it out in less than a minute, because all I have to do is locate the right folder going along the folder tree, then once I'm in the folder, I can easily pull out the right document because the names are easy to understand. I could send it over to them right as I'm having the conversation. What a smooth experience. Whereas imagine what would happen if I were disorganized. First, I would go into a panic because I don't know where the folder is. And let's say I found the folder miraculously. Now the file names are all messed up and I don't know what is what. I will have to calm down, keep the conversation going, then come back to them later to send the file. I have something like 5 more tasks just because of this, and the emotions of panic and insecurity to deal with. And imagine if this happened every day. So now you can see how keeping your files organized leads to less stress overall. Wanting to figure out a clever hack for everything, being discouraged when there isn't one. Looking for hacks is great and it provides a large part of the joy of being intellectually gifted. You feel like you are leveraging the matrix while the rest of humanity is being milked by it. But the bad part is that you start to expect to find easy hacks, then lose the patience to sit down and actually do raw work. If you grew up always miraculously finding a last-minute solution to every problem, you never learn to deal when there isn't one. And not every problem has an easy solution. No amount of reading or research can hack it. You cannot hack managing your clients and delivering your work, for example. Maybe if you become so successful that you can hire an assistant, yes, but then you'll have to manage your assistant. As long as time, e-deadlines and milestones is involved, there will emerge an endpoint which requires management. As long as money is involved, somebody or something needs to count the beans. Progressing in a corporate structure is essentially shifting from doing work to managing work. You're going from an engineer to a manager of 10 engineers. Then a manager of 10 groups of 10 engineers. Then a manager of 10 divisions of 10 groups of 10 engineers. It goes up exponentially, 1, 10, 100, 1000. You can tell how many people somebody manages by the size of the company and their structural position inside it. And I would also add that progressing from a child to an adult is shifting from consuming work to doing work. This is why some people that consume a lot of fine culture but don't make it feel insecure and thus act arrogantly to cover up, which is why there exist classical music snobs. So my point here is that there are certain types of work that cannot be hacked. And this type of work happen to be highly rewarded in corporate structures, since it generates so much income. So, if you never learn to do this type of unhackable work, which is management, 
theoretically speaking, you will never rise above entry level. Which I am not saying is a bad thing, but just be aware that you are making a decision with your actions. Make sure you're happy with where you are going. Some tech companies have a system that rewards highly skilled engineers that are technically entry level, they can't manage to save their lives but they're brilliant with the technology. These kinds of systems are generally ignored by younger job seekers, but it could be the difference between you being appreciated and sacked when you're 40. Tangent on why I recommend working in a company versus freelancing on this blog. And as a tangent I would also add that this is why in my blog I covertly recommend working in a company versus being a freelancer. A freelancer is a perpetual doer, a perpetual entry-level engineer doing grunt work that produces little value or only linear value. The work is being outsourced to a contractor because it's not valuable enough to waste their employees' time, or is outside of their expertise and again not worth wasting their employees' time to train them in. Whereas management work produces exponential value. This is why managers are paid more. You generate more hourly value by being a manager versus a doer. At 25 you will see freelancers earning $100 an hour is very successful. You will think that it's stupid to have to work up a ladder when you can earn more taking on odd jobs on the internet. The difference won't really hit home until you are older, say 35 or 40, after you have seen what depression can do in a span of three months, or a failed marriage can to a former industry leader and dozens and dozens of failed writers and thinkers and otherwise gifted people. Not being able to manage other people's work is a deficit after middle age. This part of reality is hidden to you when you are under 30 or 35. And this is how they trick people into prostituting their time writing blog articles, which, by the way, is a job that will be replaced by an AI in maybe 5 years, Google GPT-3. As a freelancer you don't learn management unless you expand your business to hire employees and assistants. But at this stage, is this even freelancing anymore? It's entrepreneurship. This is different from what most people talk about when they talk about freelancing. To make money, it's the fastest to start a business and sell it. You do not get rich by working in a company. Yet is this what you really want? To be rich? Making huge amounts of money is different from intellectual pursuits. It's a very specific skill set that few people derive real pleasure from. And people that are good at it know it when they're seven. They're the ones bartering chocolate bars at recess and looking genuinely happy doing this. Anyhow, for the rest of the traits, I will publish them in another article soon. I will be continuing on these topics, dislike for long lists of concrete facts. Wanting to boil everything down into elegant principles. Impatience for following protocol and wanting to skip steps. Spending too much time on things that don't matter. See you, and have a good one.